Philippians 4, verse 17, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. And then Paul says, I am full. Having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then we have this verse that we hear all the time, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And I started hearing some testimonies this week just about God's miraculous provision. And um, the Holy Spirit has just put in my heart <laughs> to just be a radical giver. That's all. That's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight for a moment, about being a radical giver, being a ministry that just gives radically. Because I feel like if, I, if we don't start giving as a ministry to like purposeful things and to feed the poor and do different things and to missions, then, you know, and it's not to do, it's just, here's, here's the thing. When we all of a sudden become kingdom-minded, can I say that we do everything according to the kingdom? That when I give, I give because my life is sold out to God and he has full reign over my checkbook, over my house, over my dog, over everything. That I just give because everything leads to one purpose, bringing the kingdom into the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And really, that's the, that's the very nucleus of giving into the kingdom. And so tonight... Really, I want you to get ready to give something. It, it is, I was informed that it's Pentecost Sunday, so you can give 50 or 500 or 50 cents. You can do whatever you want, given to Pentecost. But all this whole offering is going to missions. The whole thing. <laughs> and we say, well, do I, need, do I need money? Do we need money for the bills for the church? Of course we do. But here's the thing. I feel like this, if we do not, if I don't begin to give radically away, and I heard testimonies of, of a, a brother I know in Connecticut that was giving just crazy, just giving to the poor. I'm telling you, listen to this. This is going to freak you out. This is going to freak you out. He just began to give and pour out to the poor in the city, and they're feeding hundreds, hundreds every week, hundreds, and it's in, in New London. And he, he was given, <clears throat> he received a phone call, gave it over to his, to his administrator and just said, you know, I don't just talk to them. And they said, well, the lady passed away in the city. She was a nurse. She worked all her life, you know, saved her mind. I don't know if she was single or whatever it was. And she said, that, she said this, she said, my will and testament is to give my money. There was no kids. There was no, no one else to give the money to. I want to give to the poor in the city and whoever, and this is the person I want to give it to because I know they're doing a good work. So I want to give $25,000 a year. Oh, wait till, whoa, that's nothing. $25,000 a year to the poor. And so James was like, okay, great. Is that two years? Is that three years? And the accountant and the, um, the lawyer and the accountant said to him, no, James. This money's going to outlive you. It is X point million dollars. I don't know how much money. But it was, my heart got so convicted of some things that I don't give my life to give radically 
And right, I'm taking, we want this ministry to grow and increase. Come on, I want to be on salary 2018. Seriously. And that's not, that's not for any reason because it's overdue, probably, right? But what I'm doing is, I know, these guys yell at me because I don't take anything. And I found that I'm more frugal. You know, we're good with our finances at home. We've got them under control. Come on. But I'm more frugal with kingdom money because it's more, I have an accountability to the Father. Right? And so we always want to be good stewards with what we give and what we, so if you're giving tonight, this whole entire, and, and I didn't prompt anyone, you, you had no idea I was going to do this, but we're giving the whole entire offering to Harmony Home. And for whatever you need it, I don't, you can designate it however you tell me, Jim, we'll write the check. But I just feel like there's something of a partnership that we've already, that's already happened. And as a matter of fact, it says this, right? It says this. Verse 17, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Can I tell you one night, and I'm just telling you this is what, this is what he's carrying. I'm not, I'm not. I'm, I am. I'm making you a little uncomfortable. That's okay. It's okay. I'll walk over here. But he was on the floor one night after I prayed for him, and I just began to weep. Because the heart of the Father is in the ministry on what he does. Because when you give to the poor, when you loan to the Lord, because when you give to the poor, you loan to the Lord, guess what happens? There's this crazy, crazy interest that comes back to you. And so I don't see you guys writing yet, but someone needs to write checks, give whatever you have to give tonight, because this whole entire thing's going there, and we're going to believe God to just totally expand it. And then what's going to happen is it's just going to come back like crazy on us and on him again. I promise you, because there's going to be testimonies ahead. All right? So come help me, Josiah and Joe. And so I'll give you the numbers next week. And if there's any, I meant to say this a few weeks back because some people have had, well, some people, at least one person has had questions. If there's ever, ever any question about management of money, what we do with the money, you see this nice lady right here in the third row. She accounts for everything. I really don't see a lot of what comes in and out. I know the offering numbers, but that's, you know, that's about it, of course, the end of the year. But... Holy Spirit wants us to just be accountable to what? The kingdom and others, okay? So we're going to give tonight and give into that and just sow with your heart. So, Father, we just thank you that we have this ability tonight to bless. We, ha we thank you that there's this, this principle of the kingdom that says when we sow into the poor and into what you're doing, Father, your heart is for them. You said we won't <laughs> they won't be with us always. But Holy Spirit, we're sowing into the kingdom and into you. And so we ask that there just be a release of finances over everyone in this room that can give or can't give that's just under this anointing right now. And we just ask that you bless, that you just, just bring increase. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the account of heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We give with our hearts and not our minds. In Jesus' name. So give to give into Pentecost, give into the give to the poor, however that looks, just give. So I didn't even finish that. As as Henry was on the ground, I saw the account that the Lord had in heaven over his life. And I don't see that on everyone, 
every now and then. But I just saw it was exponential. Remember when I told you that? It was just, <laughs> he's sitting there. And it's almost like I saw a, a, an increase meter on, the, on his life. And it was just going faster than I could even. I was like, oh, my goodness. I just started to cry and weep because the Holy Spirit is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above whatever he can ask or think or imagine just because he's fully submitted. And so this is good ground. I'm still putting in punches. Anyway, we thank you, Father. Okay. I'm sweating already. Haven't even got through the offering. Whew, good. All right. So just go to Joshua chapter 5 with me. We're going to continue on this theme. Although I have all kinds of urges to go in different ways other than angelic encounters at this point, but I can't. I can't. I'm going to stay put. We're just going to look at this. And hopefully we'll be all right tonight. <laughs> Man of faith and power. My message tonight is going to be, what's the difference? What's the difference? It's not a question. It's a statement. What's the difference? What's the difference if I would do one thing or do another? What's the difference? How would it look if I didn't pursue kingdom, if I didn't pursue signs, wonders, miracles, if I just said, this is okay, we can just go with the flow, we just have a nice church, and we will have a nice church, we do have a nice church, but I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, what's the difference? And Joshua had this encounter that made a difference. See, God wants to have a, make a difference in your life. He wants to make you different. He wants us to be undistracted. Un, un he doesn't want us to be left to the right or to the left, but he wants us to be on point and moving forward. And the Holy Spirit's talking to me personally about what it would look like if things were different. Are you tracking with me? Everyone's like, no, kind of, almost, we'll get there. I got to articulate this because the Holy Spirit is calling us to a place where we're different. He wants you to be different. He, want, he didn't just do things in your life so that you would be the same as everyone else. And I'm telling you, God is calling the church to a totally different place than it's been See, here's the thing. If you're not thriving, if you're not thriving, if you're not moving, if you're not getting stirred up and moving into what you're supposed to be called to, then everything that I do or we do here won't be successful. Can, can you relate? Are you hearing me? This is what I'm talking about. You need to be different. You need to give your life to something different. You need to give your life to be completely sold out and undistracted from the things of the outside 
that would pull you away from the fullness of Christ. There was a, a poll taken, Gallup's poll, I think, and it was called the, the 2500 and over. It was about the mega churches. And again, I'm not, I'm not beating them down, but there's just some facts that we need to understand that all these churches are filled with personalities, good teachers, good equippers, but the problem is they've got the multitudes in their church that are not being equipped to do the work of the ministry so people are leaving church on Sunday and living like they want and doing whatever they want to do and not living for the gospel and the kingdom. Are you hearing me? And so this is what we don't want to do. This is what this church won't ever be about. This church will be about equipping and releasing and I forgot to do that. Anyone with their knee, listen, there's something, right knee? Anyone? I'll stop and do it. Okay, two. Here's the thing. Jesse had a word about pain in the knee, and you, you pointed to your right knee first. Earlier in the week, I had a pain in my knee. Just stand. Right knees, whatever, anyone. We're just going to release healing. But Jesse had a word during worship that he felt the pain going down. And then I, I, during the week, my knee was messed up for 24 hours. I'm like, what? It was for no reason. Like, I'm like, what is going on? I iced my knee. It was gone the next day. It hasn't been a problem since. Okay? So just lay hands. Come on, someone. Whoever's close, just pray. We'll just pray. Two people, it's fine. Three people, whatever. Right? So we're just declaring healing over the knee. Right now, whatever problems, whatever difficulties there may be, we just release that now. We thank you for the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? That confirms a word, so we expect healing now. Move your knee now. Shouldn't take this long. Run. Run around the building. Whatever you got to do. Any pain. It should be just like that. I feel like it's like that. No more of this word of knowledge. We'll test it. We will test it, but we want to believe for healing. This brings me to my point. Better, better. If not better, we'll just pray one more time. Cameron, you didn't run. You can run. Everyone can run. Which brings me to my point. Healing, deliverance, signs, wonders, encounters. What's it all about? To make a difference. To make a difference. Because ultimately, we don't want to live in a world that we don't affect people. Right? You don't want to live a life that they might be changed. You may thrive. You may do some stuff. Who's that, Callie? <laughs> so she's sitting in. That's funny. That's awesome. You know, there's a, there's a, a testimony about a brain surgeon, one of the best brain surgeons in the world, okay? This is just an illustration. Keep us alive. Come on. And he was the best brain surgeon. He was doing work on, on someone, and they called him in because... Uh, a lady was, or a young kid was, he does a lot of brain surgeries on little kids because he's the best on the planet. 
And he'll do it, and he'll be in the middle of a surgery, and he'll hear the enemy saying, you can't do this. What if you mess up? Really? Nagging. A voice. What if you cripple this kid for his life? And then he talks back to that voice and says this. I am the best in the country. I'm the best at what I do. God's given me a gift to do this, and this kid will surely live and will be free of pain and whatever else is going on. And so, here, come on. As believers, we need to live in this place where God brings us into an understanding. He's created you to do something outstanding. He's given you a gift that's going to ignite something and someone in a certain place, in a certain area, at a certain season, and you can't give in to the voice that tells you you're no good, you're unable to do that, you're not qualified. None of us are qualified. Listen, if you saw my resume, I would not be qualified to do this. I didn't hear any amens. That's good. <laughs> Holy yeah, my wife will say amen. <laughs> she lives with me. That's good. But the Spirit of God wants us to understand and be secure in these things because he's called you with a holy calling. He's called you to do something, and it may not be standing up here and preaching, but you may be called to pray for the sick in your workplace. You may be called to cast out devils out of people that you don't know or people that you do know or family members or whatever that looks like. Come on, God has called you with a purpose, and it's to walk in the fullness of what he's called you to. So let's just go to the scripture in, in Joshua chapter 5. Are you there? If you're there, say yay. Okay. I gave you plenty of time with a quick rant. So we have this, this picture. Holy Spirit brings Joshua. They cross over, and now they're in the land. And so we'll start, I guess, in verse 9. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place shall be called Gilgal to this day. Now what happened, right, is they cross over. The Lord instructs them, do a circumcision, because here's the issue, right? All the people who had died that came out or that didn't, from the first generation, were circumcised. But now this second generation came, and they need to acknowledge covenant. And there's something that the Lord's saying in this, that I'm telling you, the next generation, we need to understand that God is looking for covenant. He's looking for us to be, come on, circumcised in our hearts, prepared, prepared to receive the next move of God. Because if we don't put ourselves in a position where we cut away what? The flesh. And there's something about the flesh, and I'm telling you, the Lord, most of the stuff that we blame the devil for is our flesh. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to, the, to me about this is about awakening. This is about a fresh awakening on a generation. That when, we, that when the next generation who's up and coming right now, come on, it's you, me, and everybody, that we need to be circumcised, that we need to be given over, that we need to believe that God has already rolled away the reproach of the past. Come on, this came up again tonight. The old is gone, the new has come. 
And so there's a fresh anointing on your life because you have not been this way before. That's what he said to Joshua. You haven't gone this way before. You haven't been in this place before. And as you go into the new land, right? We keep going. Verse 10 says, Now the children of Israel camped at Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. So they're outside of Jericho. They're waiting And then it says, they ate of the produce of the land and the day of Passover and unleavened bread and parched grain on that same day. And then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer ate mammon. Say that. They no longer ate mammon. It's good. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Come on, there's a powerful principle here. There's, it's calling, it, the Lord has said this, that you don't need to worry about daily provision. How many pray for daily provision? Come on, if you don't raise your hand, you're lying. I know you are. I prayed for daily provision. But I'm telling you this, this is where God wants us to stand. They moved from that place where heavenly manna, come on, every day, it, it just collected Right? You know what manna means, right? We've talked about this before. It means what is it? We don't know what it is. It just came from, it's angel food. It just came from somewhere. And it probably wasn't too great, I'm sure, because they got sick of it. And then the Lord gave them quail. <laughs> More quail than they could even deal with. But the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that he's moving us from this place of daily provision to what? Complete inheritance that you begin to eat from the land. You begin to eat. When you move into what you're called to, you begin to eat, and you begin to thrive and, and, and continue to grab hold of and chew on and begin to taste and see that the Lord's good. See what he's doing. Taste what he's doing. And when you get a taste of what God's doing in the kingdom, you don't want to do anything else. You don't want to be looking around for something else because the outside world, the things that are on the outside, will never, never satisfy, right? Right? And so the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that he has a place of inheritance for you. It's not about daily provision. It's not about just getting through the day anymore. And it's leading you to a place. It's leading you to a place of encounter. It's leading you to the place where you have a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants us to grab hold of this. Wants us to grab hold Verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he what? Lifted his eyes and looked and beheld. And by the way, just back up again. That whole thing in Acts last week that we talked about, it was on what day? It was on the day. It was on this day, the day of Passover. It was on Passover. So there's something about Passover. There's something about resurrection life because rolling away, the rolling away of the reproach is bringing us into natural, into new supernatural life, supernatural resurrection, living in the truth and the, and the belief that we know, the belief. Come on, everyone say, I believe. Believe. You believe that you live in the fullness of the Spirit. You believe that you can walk according to the Spirit. You believe that you're not, come on, walking according to the flesh. No more. No more. 
Come on, you're walking in conjunction and in synchronization with the Holy Spirit. So he came to, Jer came to Jericho, and now he lifts up his eyes. And it says, he looked and he beheld. And again, we, I talked about that. What we pay attention to is so lines up with last week. So there's something that the Lord, again, wants us to understand. What, what are we attending to? What are you attentive to? What are you looking at? Where's your mind? Where's your heart postured? What's your gaze on? What are you in pursuit of? I'm telling you, God is looking for us to be in pursuit of his presence. And when all of a sudden this person of Jesus, because it's a Christophany, and honestly, it's funny. You start reading theology books, things get funny. I'm telling you. Because the Bible says that you can't see God and live, right? It doesn't say that. And so then there's debates on whether they're Christophanies or Theophanies. It doesn't matter. Does it matter? I don't think it matters. I think that the Bible, that my Bible tells me, I think it's Hebrews, that who's, he's the image of the Father. So if it's Jesus, it's God. And if it's God, it's Jesus. They're Trinity. Part of the bipolar Trinity. Come on, that's a joke. It's okay. God doesn't get offended. Oh, all right. So he comes to this place, and the man stood opposite, opposite him with his sword drawn in hand. And so what would you do? <laughs> See, my thing in reading this account, I'm thinking, the dude has his sword drawn. That means he means business. It's not like he's just hanging. It's not like this. Jesus, Jesus is like this with the sword. The commander of the armies is drawn. And Joshua is saying, are you for us or against us? And so the answer to the question is this. He doesn't answer the question. Neither. And so we're so concerned if God's on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's just how it is, right? But the Lord came to Joshua to say this, listen, man, I'm not messing around. And either you're going to listen to me and obey me and get ready to do what I'm about to do because he's about to give specific instruction of how to take cities. And he's basically saying this, you go into the city, and he already gave instruction, you go into the city, you don't take anything for yourself because it's all mine. Oh, back to that provision thing. Back to the giving and the offering thing. Everything is kingdom. When you take a city, when someone comes to Christ, it's not we get all stuck on it. It's I healed them. I, got, I saw them delivered. I saw them saved. I got five million people under my ministry that got saved. It ain't, it's not you. He uses vessels, but it's not you. You can't take the spoil. You can't take the prey. I'll give my glory to no one, the Father says, Right? And so the fear of the Lord should be on us that we understand and know. And I'm telling you, when, we're, when we humbly come before him, the Holy Spirit's going to just pour out, and he's going to pour out more than we can deal with. The Holy Spirit wants to come and invade cities. He's going to start with the churches because the church needs an invasion. 
And so he's standing here talking to Joshua and saying, I'm coming, and I got a sword. And he's got the word that's about to be released over people. And so the, 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 the commander of the armies of the Lord said, now I have come. Meaning I have arrived and everything's about to change. And so when we allow the Lord to come in our lives and he says this, I've come now. I'm here now. I've come today to do something. And today he's come to do something. It's whether we're ready. It's whether we're listening. It's whether we're prepared. Are we prepared for him to do something today, right now, at this moment, tomorrow morning when you wake up, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Are we ready? Because I want to be. And you want to be. And so the Lord wants to awaken us to this truth that the, the heavens are coming and the Lord has said, I'm here now, and I'm with you. I'll ne never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never go away and move away from you. But the Holy Spirit's coming to do something fresh on your life. And so it's, it says this, I've now come, and Joshua pff, falls with his face to the earth. And I thought that's interesting. We sang about that at the end, didn't we? Face to the earth. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord of the armies said to Joshua, take off your sandals, off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And then Joshua did so. And so here's what happens. The Lord comes and releases just this glory. And I'm, listen, that's all we have for that moment. And then he gives more instruction. But I'm going to tell you between the lines something was going on. Because that was a four-minute conversation. If that. Right? Who are you? And who are you for? <laughs> and then the release comes. That he brings the kingdom. And so God wants to... God wants us to be on our face. To do what? To intercede. So that we what? Worship. Listen, our face to the earth is symbolic of what? Reverence, but the earth. It's about the earth. It's about the dust. It's about what he created man out of. The Lord was speaking to me about this. There's a whole new, fresh revelation on intercession that as we pray, that as we put our face to the ground, the Holy One will be hovering over us. The presence, the glory, the power of God will be hovering over us to see humanity changed, to see that all will come to worship him. Come on, there's this place that the Lord wants us, humbly, down, before him, but it's looking to the ground. It's looking to the earth. Our posture is not towards heaven in some places. It's to the earth. It's to, to pray and intercede and to stand in the gap for people all around us. And so we have, we have Joshua who's ready, prepared as a warrior, mighty warrior, who's, who's laying out right now. And he's before the Lord. And I guarantee he's weeping and he's fear and trembling. And God has come to bring an, an encounter that will change his whole vision of what he's about to do. Because then he gives him instruction about taking cities, one after the other, one after the other. And not, and not one city was ever taken in the same manner. 
And I think here's the whole thing that the Lord began to speak to me. Do we have faith that God can give you a city? Do you have faith that God can give you the neighborhood? Do you have faith to just be sold out? It's interesting. We went to a cookout last week, and I got to talk to him, pray for a guy at the Smith's house, and and I don't know where he is with God. I just don't know where he is, Curtis. But Holy Spirit, I just felt like there was something on it. And you know what? You can't hold back. You got to just pray for the healing. You got to pray for the miracle. You got to pray for something to happen. A girl that's been in coma for 17 years. You got to pray for it. Because if you did, if you don't, what are we doing here? Like, what am I doing here? If I don't have faith, and listen, ever-increasing faith, right? There's ever-increasing faith, and then there's a gift of faith. How does your faith increase? It's not by you not doing anything. It's not by me waiting around. And so God brings this encounter to Joshua, and Joshua receives instruction. And then all of a sudden, he's got these instructions that seven priests do seven horns and seven, 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 all this stuff and go around and not speak for seven days. No one speak, just march around the city for seven days. Did you know that? I just read that today again, and I'm like, not speak. Joe, could you walk around a city for seven days and not speak? I know, that's why I asked that question. I don't think I could either. Like, I'd be Shabbat doing something. I don't know. Listen, the Lord has, listen, there's simple instructions in what the Lord wants to do. And it may be just shut your mouth. Oh, my goodness. Someone shutting their mouth. Oh. Really? It doesn't matter what the instruction is. He wants to speak, and he wants to do it his way and not our way. And so it talks about, it's really, if you, if you look at the archaeological find of Jericho, it actually, the walls went into the ground. They didn't tumble. Not like the Sunday school song said, they came tumbling down. They didn't tumble. They went into the ground like a sliding door. They fell into the earth because of simple obedience. I'm telling you guys, God is looking for a people who just simply obey, who simply be just sold out. And look at this, so many distractions. This thing, man, I'm telling you, today was crazy. I got people messaging me about buying furniture. Like, of all days, I get no messages. I'll go days without getting messages. But about buying furniture. And people calling me because they're driving by. It's lately. They're driving by my jobs, and they're calling me while they're on the road. On Sundays, Mondays, holidays. I'm like, God, deliver me. It's not a bad thing. But the Holy Spirit wants us to understand he wants us to live a life with no distraction. Can you live life without being distracted? God wants you to be an amazing light, but it's caused by not being distracted because so many things around us distract us. He said to Paul, don't be distracted. And I'm thinking about this whole thing. Paul being distracted. Like, have you seen Bible days? Like, what the hell? What would be distracting them? Camels spitting? Like, what would, what would be the distraction? I don't know how to build this tent. I'm serious. Have you thought about this stuff? Oh, my goodness. Uh, just me, right? Like, what would be distracting you in, you know, 
60 AD. I, I just don't know. But it says that he, he didn't want people to be distracted. He didn't want us to be distracted with the things of the world. He didn't want us to be distracted. He exhorts us over and over not to be distracted. When, man, I tell you, we live in a life of social media, come on, everything in, you know, nine million television stations, and we spend more time viewing stuff, I do it too, not so much, but sometimes, come on, social media, all this stuff, it just draws you, it draws you, it draws you away. And I know it can be good, it can be redemptive, and we can look at some good things. Come on, we can watch all, the, all your favorite preachers, that's good. You can listen to worship and all that stuff. And the Lord, you, sometimes the Lord just wants to put us in a place where we're just not distracted by anything. And where can we find that place? The only place we can find that is we, when we set ourselves apart. Like it says, we ro he rolled away the reproach. He brought this place of total, total circumcision, totally being sold out. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's funny. I tweeted that thing about last week. <laughs> I got like no hits on it. That's why. I'll tell you why. Because it was about setting your life apart. See, we don't like it when stuff convicts us. All of a sudden, conviction's a bad word. No, brother, that's works. No, it's not works. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is not works. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is not condemnation. When God comes to do something and he's, and he's poking at your heart, that means he wants to do something, and he's setting your life apart and preparing you to do something that's going to be amazing. And so we look at any place that, I'm telling you, when we think things, everything's just going to be easy. I know there's the goodness of God. I know God is good. I know he wants good things for our lives. But you know, it was, who was the guy of the Salvation Army? Was it William Booth? He said he wanted to plant churches one inch from hell. Come on. One inch from hell. What does that mean? He wanted to plant churches in the hardest places. And we think when we get a little resistance in the kingdom that all of a sudden it's not God. I'm telling you, we think it's not God. When what is the apostolic... Uh, Call say it says that when we were that we were perplexed on every side, we were suffering on every side, and we think it's going to be different. It's all glory. It's all you know. People flocking to our church. I'm telling you right now, Holy Spirit wants us to understand that sometimes it's not going to be hard. Sometimes it's about the rough. It's about the grit. It's about getting into it. And sometimes it'll be a fight. That's why he says, "Contend for the faith." I'm going back to ever-increasing faith. You need to, we need to, we need to. I need to, too. Sometimes as a preacher, you start, you need. We need. I need. I need to work my faith. Everything's not just a gift of faith, and then all of a sudden it happens. There is a gift of faith, but I feel like this. We move towards that. 
you move towards that. There's some place where the ever-increasing faith that you have, if you don't work your faith, if you don't believe God for the little things, and all of a sudden those things start popping into your life, and you begin to see new things begin to happen and birth. There was a lot of, lot of talk in the back room about little babies being born and pe- pregnancy. Listen, God wants to birth something fresh and new inside of you, and it's just something that you need to cooperate with. The Lord wants to do those things. He wants us to reconcile. Listen, and when people don't get healed, I never heard such a thing. Well, maybe God doesn't want to heal. No. Anything that doesn't all of a sudden manifest here is not because it's this side of heaven. It is not because something didn't happen or you didn't, in, in, with the Father. Do you understand? It's not because God didn't do something right. I mean, that's messed up theology. We need to get set free from that in, in the church because it goes on all the time. Well, that one wasn't his will. It was his will. When are you going to get enough God on you that all of a sudden it breaks forth? No, because the problem is not something else. It's you. Can I say that? Okay, thank you. I felt like it was grabbed. But that's the truth. It wasn't you. This side of heaven, it's this side of heaven. And if we work our faith muscles, come on. I'm telling you we can get far off. Already I'm going on some more rants. I work in construction. If I would just take one stone and put that on top of another stone and cut it, right, make a mark, cut it. And then I did that with the second stone and went on another stone and cut it. If I would do that 90 times, if I did that on a four-foot piece of stone, how long do you think the 90th stone would be? How long do you think the 90th stone would be if I did one, two, three? Just kept put the next, the one I cut on the next one. Because we do this in the church. We see things. And what would happen, it would be almost a foot longer. If you work construction at all. If you did it with a board, it's the same principle. If I take one board and I mark it and I cut it. And then I take another board, same board I just cut, put it on that board and cut it. You get so far off. Same in sailing. You get off one degree. I'm headed to Thailand. I'll be in China somewhere. Come on. What am I saying? It's so easy for us to get way off at the end because we just start making excuses. Well, we can, this is okay. We can just go a little further. Or we make it look like the the last generation. And God never wanted us to look like the last generation. We can take every, it's funny, I got that thing in the fortune cookie last night. (laughs) Fortune cookies can be prophetic or pathetic, but sometimes it said something about looking at the old, right, and and discerning the new. And I'm like, there it was in the fortune cookie, right? Just acknowledging the old ways and, and going into the new. But we discern the new out of the old. That's all the old is good for. I take lessons from what? All the saints of old. Come on, that's why he gives us the word. That's why he gave us Joshua. What did we learn from an encounter? Just obey. Because the next town they go to take, AI is small, easy town, should be an easy kill, swift kill, get out of there, right? Someone stole something. Someone hid something under the floorboards. 
Come on. Someone got greedy, wanted to take a little of the booty. Come on. And that was it. And then a curse came on because we started to take what God said and said he won't notice that. He won't notice that. But I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit's speaking loud and clear about staying on point, going the distance, going straight, not moving to the left or the right. Because you, as soon as I start looking at man, as soon as you start looking at man or someone else or how someone else do, does things, you get off track. It happens every time. And I can't, I can't believe that this move of God will be the same as the last 20 years of God moving. I don't care how good it was. I don't care how good Toronto was. I don't care. I don't care how great Bethel is. If we try and all of a sudden make a, a cookie cutter to look like that, it's going to be a little off going that way somewhere else. And we lose sight of what God's saying. Am I even on what I was talking about at all? Kind of. some pretty bold statements here, so I might hold back, but there's some things that I was just thinking, and I just write stuff down sometimes. But the question, it's probably to me, do I want to be liked, or do I want to be effective? Do you want to be liked? I'm talking about being not distracted. I'm talking about not being distracted. I'm talking about being focused. I'm talking when you receive an angelic encounter, because God wants to speak to you by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's the best way for him to speak to you. I'm telling you the truth. I've, I've, I've done a lot of study. I've done at least a bachelor's degree worth of theology. And the best way he's talked to me is in, through experiential knowledge. And so the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us in that way. And if, if I really care which I do. We all care about what people think, don't we? You know, I want to be liked. You want to be liked, but do I want to be liked to the, to, the, to the point where I am not effective anymore? Where what God called you to do, you don't, you're not affecting things around you. And the Holy Spirit wants us to grab hold of that, and he wants us, you, me, to be effective and have impact. Are you with me? And when I die, would it matter? <laughs> no, but I mean, I matter to the close people around me. But I'm just, I had that question. If I die, would it matter to anyone? Am I affecting anyone that it would be that much of a big deal? Like, did you affect lives so that it would make a difference? Did you go feed the poor? Did you go lay hands on the sick and they recover? Did you go, and it's, it does tend to be about what you're doing, because if it's kingdom-oriented and kingdom-fueled, come on, it's the fuel of the kingdom that propels you forward. God's calling you to move. And come on, you can have a hunger for the prophetic and never use it. 
You can have a hunger for healing ministry and never, you know, people come in and they go, you know, someone said, is that a healing church? And yeah, it's a healing church. Is it a prophetic church? Yeah, it's a prophetic church. You can I said, you can put whatever label you want on it. We're a kingdom church. I don't, you know, kingdom awakening. Yeah, duh. So, come on. But the Holy Spirit wants us to grab hold of that. And so he wants us to stop measuring things with the way we measure things. But he wants us to measure things the way God measures things. And I'm telling you, the effectiveness of how we end up is because of the encounters that we begin to have with the Lord. And I'm, it's not all about, come on, this. But come on, I'm pursuing this. I'm pursuing the angel of the Lord. Come on, we pursue the angel that comes with a hammer. Joe, come on. Come on. It's the truth. You want the angel that comes with the sword because he means business. And I, you know, two weeks ago I had one that didn't come with a sword, and he means business too. Just with the voice, just with the stern, just directive. Come on, it puts the fear of the Lord in you. It's a good thing. The problem is this, the, a lot of the church has lost the fear of the Lord. This is where, we, this is where we're at. We're at this, and you know, we're all worried about a presidential election. No, it's your fault, bro. It's your fault the country's falling to pieces because we don't stand for anything. Oh, here I go. I'm telling you, it's the truth because we have no conviction. We have a lot of things that we think and we believe, but we have no conviction behind that. And I believe that God wants to change the whole entire country, but it depends on the church. It doesn't depend on government. I'm just telling you right now, this is not a matter of church and state. <laughs> it's a matter of the kingdom of God coming to a, to a church near you and really coming and blowing up and affecting culture. Because when we don't affect culture and everything's kind of the greasy grace, we got to get, uh, I won't go there. I promised. Because we don't, I, I'm, a great, I'm a grace guy. I'd rather give people grace. But when we don't speak the truth in love, it doesn't do anything other than perpetuate more messed up behavior. It's the truth. And so the Holy Spirit wants to get hold of that in us and move us into a whole other place that you have such fire. Come on, it's that hammer of the word. That's what it is. It's the hammer, the fire that was on Jeremiah, that there's a prophetic generation that stands in truth and in life and in such glory and power that nothing can, sh nothing can stop because there's an explosion of the word, an explosion. And so we, God wants us to serve without distraction. I don't know, I've been going for a while now. Stop. So the Father wants us to have encounters. He, it is, he is all about encounters. What did I say to you? 280 references to angels in the Scripture. That's just angels, not angels of the Lord and angels, plural. There's 280 angel. 
in Scripture, at least in my King James, New King James. And so that tells me that there's a lot of activity. We're just missing it. And so we need to be like Joshua and like I spoke about last week. You know, Moses, he turned aside. That was a two weeks ago. But Moses turned aside. It was the same thing. It was the same principle. He turned his eye. All of a sudden, he turned aside to see the fire. And the same thing was with Joshua, with the, with the commander of the armies, with Jesus standing before him in all his glory and all his armor. Come on, man. I would be like, I'm out of here, bro. I'm done. I'll see you later. I wouldn't be asking questions. God bless Joshua. I want to see that I asked the Lord, show me the reruns of that. Seriously. And God wants us to be effective. But you will be effective through encounter. You will be effective through reading the word and desiring the word and chewing on the word and just devouring the word. But the word must be lit on fire. And so I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we're going to start prophetic activation classes and the healing classes again or something. We got, I got to do something because I can't stand myself. No, seriously. I just, we can't go on like this. It's good for me preaching like this and all that, and I don't know, maybe it starts on a Saturday night or whatever, but we need to do something other than what we're doing and activate. That means you go out. You don't sit here. We, we get a little teaching here, and then you go out, right? We just do it. We not talk about it. We just do it, all right? Are you on board? Are you on board? Because that's what we need to do. It's not about sitting here because this is all good, and you can get fed and get the, you know, the shooby-dooby on you, you know? But God wants us to encounter him in a way, and come on, I want it to be contagious that when you go home and you have your personal time, that it's, you know, like I love what uh, Brian Johnson calls, you know, the Psalms and Proverbs, the poetry on fire. Come on, poetry on fire. There's fire on the word that when you read it, it just comes alive. And it's such, God wants you to live in living waters. You, You do, you have it. But it's, come on, the Lord just wants to stir it up inside of you so that things begin to change and move. You can't help it. And part of what this is is to awaken. But I'm telling you, God needs, we need to activate, equip, and move. There needs to be mobilization because I can talk and preach till I'm purple. But if we don't move and we don't do stuff and we don't begin to activate our spiritual senses, then we're missing it. Okay? <laughs> I'm glad you're agreeing. 